The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's that time on a Sunday morning where we're joined by Rob and James. Rob first. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Harold. Yourself? I am. Thank you very much indeed. Good. Well, over the past few weeks, Rivia Radio listeners' questions have heavily influenced the direction of our broadcast, which is a good thing, of course. But we have been reminded by several listeners that we haven't answered their specific questions for quite some time. So this morning, we will address that oversight. However, before we dig into the mailbag, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, obviously, Howard, the big news coming out of the UK this week was uh, was the autumn stem, which which is another name for the UK's second budget of the year. Um, we'll dig into the whys and wherefores in a little more detail next week, but uh, the main headline grabber was the UK Chancellor's announcement that, that national insurance contributions will be reduced from 12% to 10% from the 6th of January next year. At the moment, UK employees earning more than £12,570 a year pay 12% national insurance on earnings up to £50,200. The move will save a UK worker on average, or on an average £35,000 a year salary, £450 a year. Now, in my experience, where someone is a tax resident can be an extremely emotive topic, and it's all, it always generates lots of debate. For this reason, over the past few weeks, probably months actually, my attention has been drawn to spam. Due to being so high profile, the debate between Shakira's lawyers and the Spanish tax authorities over this very issue has been grabbing the headlines for months. The case came to a head early this week when a settlement was reached with Spanish prosecutors to avoid a prison sentence for Shakira, which would have been unusual in, in, in itself. Um, she is alleged to have defrauded Spain of 14.5 million euros in unpaid taxes. The case could have resulted in an eight-year jail term for her and a 24 million euro fine. Um, but after weeks of negotiation, the Colombian singer accepted the charges, agreed to a suspended prison sentence of three years and a fine of 50% of the amount owed, which is more than 7.3 million euros. She also accepted a fine of €438,000 to avoid spending any time in a Barcelona prison. Over the past few weeks, I've made frequent references to the current French immigration debate. This week, we discovered retirees and early retirees who moved to France could face stricter rules if an article added by the senators to France's new immigration law is passed into law. If this article is retained in the text by the National Assembly, Next month, foreign retirees will not be able to stay in France for longer than five years by simply renewing temporary one-year residence cards on an, on an indefinite basis, as is now possible. They will be obliged to apply for and obtain a 10-year carte de resident after their fifth year in France. They'll also have to sign a contract of Republican integration and provide proof they have mastered basic French skills. The applicants will also have to have lived in France in what is described as an uninterrupted manner as their main home for the previous five years. We are told short holidays abroad will, though, be acceptable. It may be coincidental, but since the requirement to declare French property ownership was introduced earlier this year, the number of French tax office investigation has increased tenfold. Tax offices tax offices are looking into whether people have accounted for the property price increases over the past few years. 
This is quite an easy target for the French tax tourist because the French Nauters property website contains a map of average prices in each area. So tax officials can simply compare similar properties that are sold in your area. The statute of limitation gives them the ability to go back three years after the one when the tax was due. So if you pay EFE, but you have been declaring the same value for several years, you might want to check your property's value before the next declaration will be based on its value as at the 1st of January 2024. Well, let's start with what I consider to be a big question. A listener has asked, how much should they draw down from their pensions and savings? Um, this is obviously a question I've been asked many, many times before over the years. And unfortunately, um, I've probably disappointed lots of people by being the voice of reality, telling them that you can't have a low risk portfolio and generate double digit returns every year. Budgeting in retirement is, is just as important, if not more important than budgeting before you retire. Deciding when to start drawing money from your pension or your savings can certainly influence how long the money lasts and ultimately the lifestyle you can live. I think it was some American academics who back in the 90s devised what is known as the 4% rule. They arrived at this figure by studying investment returns and savings data between 1926 and 1995. The science behind this suggests investors should start by withdrawing 4% of their savings, then increase that sum by the rate of inflation in each subsequent year. And based on that 70-year period, those withdrawals can easily be maintained for at least 30 years. Now, if we use this 4% concept, we also must consider several other issues. We need to consider factors such as our health, our expense requirements, and obviously age plays a hugely important role. What we plan to do in retirement has a massive impact on when and how much we draw. If we plan to travel, that will probably require a much higher level of funding than if we simply want to a quiet life, maybe stay at home and tend to our gardens. I mentioned being the voice of reality and I can't emphasise enough the importance of being realistic. We need to know how much we have to play with and that means knowing exactly what our expenses are, then build in some contingencies. The timing of when we implement our plan can also have a great bearing on its success. Take, for instance, someone who started accessing their pot just three years ago. Their situation and the longevity of their strategy will be quite different to someone who is about to start drawing down at the start of 2024 just because of the economic circumstances in these past three years. Some listeners have asked, what is consumer duty? <laughs> yeah, um, consumer duty is the name that has been given to the new rules that have been implemented by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, which are intended to hold firms responsible for delivering fair value and good customer outcomes, as they describe it. These rules were introduced in the UK um, on the 31st of July this year, but they are arriving and they will be implemented across Europe. At one level, consumer duty has toughened up the treating customers fairly rules that have been around for quite a number of years now. The new rules attempt to regulate a holistic approach which requires financial firms to give customers correct, joined-up advice and then provide ongoing advice which means clients get value for money rather than following a tick-box exercise. The rules require firms to provide clear information which should help them make informed choices. Firms need to demonstrate their fees represent fair value for money. 
the new rules immediately impacted credit card suppliers who had to rethink how and what they provide. Zero introductory credit cards followed by an extortionate rate of people getting into financial trouble should now be a thing of the past. These new rules are designed to reduce mis-selling and reduce complaints because everything should be explained correctly to a client at the outset. Now, over the years, regular listeners will have heard me bang on about Blevins Franks creating strategic financial planning strategies for clients, then regularly reviewing those bespoke strategies with one of our private client managers, such as James. At Blevins Franks, we are therefore very comfortable with the introduction of consumer duty, which we simply see as best practice. Well, moving on to James... Various listeners have heard that their French HSBC accounts are about to be closed. Is that correct? Um, well, no is a simple answer, but there will be changes. So HSBC France has had its retail side of the business up for sale for a few years as it wished to focus on high and ultra high net worth clients, predominantly in Asia. So My Money Group has, has now purchased HSBC and we're rebranding the bank as CCF from the 1st of January next year. The funny thing is that HSBC purchased CCF back in 2000 to get into the French market and it will now be returning back to CCF. With this purchase, I'm being told that clients, well, I'm being told by clients that there are changes happening within branches. And for example, people that hold accounts with HSBC in both France and the UK that use Global View to see all their accounts in one place, this has already come to an end. So HSB and CCF will not be closing accounts. Um, and people's HSBC bank cards and checkbooks will continue to work until the CCF cards and checkbooks are issued early next year. Is this a similar situation to Barclays and Millet's? And is that situation all resolved now? Yeah, it's a very similar situation to Barclays, um, as they sold their French operation to Anacap Financial Partners back in September 2017. And as you say, then rebranded the bank as Millet's. I would say that there's been sufficient time for things to settle and, and bed in given the purchase completed over six years ago. And as I don't bank with Millet's myself or have any dealings with them, I can't comment on how their service is. But from speaking to clients, my observation is that a lot of people have already moved their accounts away from Millet's. Let's hope that HSBC and CCF don't have the same problem. Well, here's the thing. One listener has asked a question I don't think we've ever been asked before. Can she leave her estate to charity? Well, it's a very nice thing to do, and we do have clients that have made these arrangements. So to do this, you'll need a will that lays out your wishes. Ideally, you'll have a will in each country you hold assets, but the whole estate can be covered under one. So post-Brexit, this has become more difficult. Prior to Brexit, legacies going to charities were given mutual exemption from inheritance tax between France and the UK, but this is no longer the case. So now any assets going to a UK charity will be taxed by at 60% in France and UK assets going to a French charity, if the UK estate is above £325,000, will be taxed at 40% by the UK. So this means that unfortunately leaving money to UK charities may not be the best idea. Instead, it'd be worth looking to see if charities you would like to leave money to have a French registered entity and leave the money to them instead. This will be tax-free if, if coming from French assets. Um, and this will also be tax-free if you have below £325,000 in the UK and would like to leave all or part to a French charity. Um, but what I would say is with some planning, it is possible to ensure all of your money goes to charity free of tax, but it's wise to get advice on this before it's too late. 
Yeah, all important as well, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, the last wish, you want it to go to charity, you don't want it to be taxed. Thank you for that clarification, very good. Well, Rob, succession generates more questions than any other subject. We've been asked, what happens when someone dies intestate in France? Yeah, dying intestate means uh, you've died, it's just very simply, without making a legal will, which doesn't impact, obviously, the person who's died, but it's usually hugely challenging for those people who are left behind because it's going to be a French court that determines who gets what. French succession rules can frequently be a challenge, but at least in a situation where someone has died, intestate rules don't, sorry, do regulate who gets what. The challenge with this is that those rules might not be to the liking of those people who had hoped to benefit from your passing. We had a situation recently where a client's mother had died intestate. She was survived by our client and her sibling. There was no spouse because her parents had divorced some years ago. The question was, who inherits the mother's French property? The answer was quite simple. The two bloodline children each take half. However, our client's brother then died very soon after his mother. And you guessed it, intestacy ran in the family because he also didn't have a will. He apparently didn't think he needed one because he wasn't married and he didn't have any children. Under French succession law, his father, who our client and her brother had not had any contact with for over 30 years, inherited a quarter of the brother's estate of what was his mother's previously was her his mother's property and his sibling our client inherited the remaining three quarters as you can imagine that was a difficult conversation to have with our client but i'm sure it probably had her mother spinning in her grave so which relatives have the right to inherit uh, the rules that, that govern what i just described are the french reserved heir rules These days, reserved heirs are mainly children of the deceased, and a surviving spouse has some rights. The term children includes children of the deceased, even if they are estranged or adopted. It's really important to understand that you may have fallen out with your children and not had any contact with them for years, but when you die, they are still your children and entitled to inherit probably some part of your estate. We frequently meet people who have raised their new partner's child or children as their own, But when that person dies, that child or children are not of the deceased bloodline. So they have no automatic right to inherit. And if they do, they will probably have to pay the French government 60% of their inheritance. Worse still, without proper planning, the deceased estranged children will inherit all the estate and the stepchildren can be left with nothing. After a conversation I had with a Riviera Radio listener earlier this week, a word of warning. In France, it's very popular to make a homemade will, but beware, that could prove very expensive. If a will is not written in accordance with French succession law and the French reserved reserved heir rules, it's not admissible. It will cause some serious complications, additional expense, and frequently these wills are simply thrown out. Finally, Rob, and I think this one might be slightly contentious, can we have a carte de chaleur? but live in the UK. (laughs) Yeah, you're quite right there. It's not as simple as you might think, Howard. Basically, where you live is where you have your main home, which for most of us is quite straightforward. It's probably where our spouse and children live. Your foyer is also a key test of residency. And from the first day of living in France, permanently, you are required to declare your worldwide income. Now, applying for a withdrawal agreement residency card required you to be living in France by the end of the transition period, 
which was the 31st of December 2021. Lots of people seem to have forgotten, but the application required applicants to state the date they moved to France. Second homeowners should not have applied because their habitual home was in the UK, but as we all know, lots of them did. Numerous stories have done the expat rounds about cross-checks between tax declarations and residency cards by the Interior Minister, but it's, it's a very big, big issue to police, and it could have quite an impact in certain areas where Brits have holiday homes and are the largest contributors to the local economy. The French Penal Code states that making a false attestation to obtain a cadre séjour is punishable by three years potentially in prison and a €45,000 fine. So if you're issued with a temporary five-year withdrawal agreement card, the rules state that you risk losing your rights if you're away from France for more than six months. If you have a permanent card, a 10-year card, it will be lost if you're out of France for more than five years. What we need to remember is if you live in France for more than six months, you are legally obliged to make a French tax return, which after this week's UK budget, which I said earlier we'll look at in more detail next week, it could quite easily be much more tax efficient to be a French tax resident rather than a UK tax resident. So if you'd like to understand if your dreams of living in France are viable, or if you already live here, if financially you can make any improvements, give us a call and arrange to speak to one of our local Blevins Franks partners. Our French telephone number is 0493 001780. That's 0493 001780. And if it's more convenient or, or if it's more convenient to contact our Monaco office, the telephone number of our Monaco office is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or if it's easier to contact us via the internet, please visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. We'll talk again next week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 or riviera at com. Estate planning in France. Will the right money go to the right hands at the right time? Talk to Blevins Franks. Succession tax can be high in France and its forced airship laws restrictive. There are various inheritance solutions available, but they have pros and cons, so care must be taken. Contact Blevins Franks for a review of your estate planning and advice on how you can have control and certainty. Call 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.